Welcome to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez. A trip of music discovery, Jamie is picking people he thinks you'll really like. Musicians, artists, producers, and everyone involved in the world of music. Here's your host, Jamie Rodriguez. Whoa, 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 ho, ho. whoa, 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 oh my god, is this thing on again? I'm so sorry, dear audience, I don't know why I subject you to my less than stellar singing, but uh, this is Jamie Rodriguez, your host of J-Rod Concerts, the podcast, this in every episode, and we have a great show for you guys today. First of all, this guest, ladies and gentlemen, we've been trying to have them for a long time because we love them so much. Their name are the Local Honeys, and they're composed of Linda Jean Stokely and Montana Hobbs. They are from Kentucky, beloved Kentuckian duo. Everybody loves them. Critics love them. Fans love them. Music aficionados, everybody. And if you ever get a chance to see the Local Honeys live, they are an outstanding performers. Like, they are just incredible. Uh, we first came across the Local Honeys after the pandemic, crossed paths on the road quite a bit. And finally, our schedules aligned, and we get to sit with Linda Jean and Montana. And uh, they released recently a wonderful album on July 15th, a self-titled album, so it's called The Local Honeys. Really, really, really great album, guys. I can't stress enough how good it is. Via La Honda Records, um, the songs are incredible, guys. They are just stories. Stories so detailed, so rich. Vocals are incredible. Production is incredible. Just in love with the album. We love the local honeys and we're thrilled to have them on the show. Great conversation too. I think you guys are going to love the episode. And they are going to be quite a bit on tour. So check out their dates at thelocalhoneys.com slash tour. And if you are new to J-Rod Concert, the podcast, we welcome you. There's a lot of stuff that we are working on. Um, You know, we do festival coverage. We are doing... um, documentaries of some of these festivals but if you like what you hear here um please give us a review takes 20 seconds of your time click subscribe helps us quite a bit and we are honored that you chose to listen to our show but without further ado guys this is the local honeys on j-rock concerts the podcast linda jean and montana look at you guys why not, Jim? You know, don't, don't look too close. Oh my God! How exciting, ladies! We've been waiting a long time to have this you guys, this duo today. So what an honor! We celebrate you guys today and the wonderful new self-titled album, of course. What an album! Good to see you both. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah, good to see you again. Absolutely, absolutely, Linda Jean. Good to see you as well. And by the way, you guys are doing it. Great albums, great songs. I remember watching you, I was thinking, when was the first time that I saw you guys? It was one of the first shows when the world opened back up, early 2021 at the Basement East. My God, I didn't know that you could turn fiddle and banjo into something that sounded like stadium rock, you know? You know what I mean? It was very awesome. (laughs) That was a good show. That was a a really, um, you know, we signed with La Honda Records sometime during the pandemic and... um, 
that was a show with Vincent Neil Emerson and Riddy Arman, who are our label mates. And I guess that was maybe, I know that that was the first time that we met Riddy. Um, and it was only maybe the second time that we had met Vincent. So mm-hmm. um, that was a, that was a really special night to uh, have like most of the La Honda team there. It was, it was a special night, Montana. And by the way, we're recording this mid-morning. I mean, for, for my audio audience, they can't see them, but Linda, Gina, Montana are like comfortable in pajamas. Do you guys go to bed super <laughs> early or have you like been up all night? Like what is the approach for Linda and Montana? Are we early people or do we function better at night like rock stars? I love the morning. I love the morning, um, but it's really hard for me to see it these days. I'm constantly, I'm, I'm a very sleepy person. Um, I require about 12 hours for me to function, um, Mm -hmm. at a normal rate. Um, I can't do much other than sleep and take care of the animals and, and write some songs. So I hope that's good enough for everybody else. Cause that's about (laughs) all. (laughs) What what about you? You share that? I'm like a middle of the road kind of person. I, I go to bed sometime between 10 and 1 a.m uh and i'm usually up by sometime between 8 and 10 uh you know usually about 8 30 or 9 is when i get up so i'm not a super super early morning person but i my mom oh my god when i was a kid when i was like a teenager i would sleep till one or two o'clock every day and i just remember like it stuck in my head and I catch myself I even say it to Linda sometimes I'm like you, you're just gonna waste the day away if you just lay in bed you're wasting the day if you're just gonna lay in bed all day <laughs> it's instilled in me now and I love it and hate it at the same time I hear that but, I, but I'm with Linda as I've gotten older I've become like some of these shows in Nashville they start at 11 o'clock at night I'm like look I love you but like I don't know if I can do this like it's really takes a toll on me but oh yeah. my god I require a lot more. I've always required a lot of sleep, but I require more these days. And I I don't sleep well either anymore. I guess that's another like Mm. product of being older. And um, so I go to sleep at about three or four in the morning. And then I force myself up between about nine. And uh, then I usually try to take a nap somewhere in the middle of the day. Like, I don't think I could ever have kids because I just, I am so tired. I would be right. I would be mean as hell. I'd be the meanest mom to ever walk the earth. <laughs> I just I don't I don't get enough sleep. Your kids would and be I putting have, the mom to nap to nap time. Sometimes. I have a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, they would have to nap, or I'd have to, I'd have to give them away. I oh my god. Too funny, Linda Jean. And by the way, and by the way, guys, I mean you guys are amazing in so many ways. But one of the beautiful things about you is your generous and kind heart. And this is like well known in the industry. I mean, the fact that you know after the Eastern Kentucky floods, for example, you guys were so floored, and so many in your world were affected. I mean, the images, of course, were very upsetting. Our good friend Britt Taylor as well; she was very upset. I know you guys felt helpless, but you did spread links and consciousness and everything you could do. How are things developing, uh, Montana and Linda? Like are, now that the cameras are gone, like what's like the current situation? Um, the people are still very much in need. Um, specifically monetarily. Um, if anybody has any extra money to give, um, the EKY mutual aid, if you find it on Facebook, you can find it on Instagram. They have all the cash apps. They're very easy to get money to. Um, there's 
I mean, there was almost a thousand homes completely destroyed and there was several thousand that have been um, affected and, and uh, suffered mm -hmm. damages and, and bad, bad damages, but not totally um, irrevocable. But there, there's also a big need for volunteers. Mm -hmm. um, there's still a lot of cleanup to be happening because not only did the flood affect so much, but the flood has left it open to um, electrical fires and mudslides. And so now people are dealing with that. It's just as nasty. It's just as ugly and brutal, but people have kind of let it go to the wayside. Right. Um, Montana is in part with um, a nonprofit. She's a big part of their, um, their community called Appalachians for Appalachia. And so I encourage everybody to follow along with, with them um, to stay up to date on, on, ev on everything as well. That's a, a very good resource for what is actually happening and, and the, um, the best ways to help that aren't just um, kind of like the back alley ways of helping. Like these are curated, um, the, you know that your money is going to the right place right. to really, really help people. So yeah. we'll, we'll put the links in the description uh, here, but yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Montana. Oh, I was just gonna add, I, I read something just this morning, uh, a friend who has been on the ground and, and works in a lot in a lot of the nonprofit world in uh, Eastern Kentucky, specifically Whitesburg. Um, they, they've documented about 10,000 homes that have been damaged. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a staggering number. Um, and, you know, they are still, these are people with full-time jobs, but they are so caught up and so destroyed by this that they, they can't help to see their neighbors suffering. Um, and so they're going and they're mucking out houses. They're bringing food to people. None of those efforts have stopped. And it's been nearly a month now. And none of those efforts have stopped because the need for it is so great. You know, FEMA does not come and help you clean your house out. Um, the Red right. Cross does not come and help you clean your house out and, and put your life back together. So it's been extremely encouraging to see the community response to pick each other up because this is another disaster that gets lots of media attention for about a week or two and then the cameras leave and people are still trying to piece their life back together. Right, right. Very, very well said, Montana and Linda Jean. And we'll put all the links in the description below and I definitely encourage folks to give what they can. Uh, you know, I know people need like vent, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff so but yeah for sure for sure guys going on a little bit of a, of a lighter subject here Montana I don't know why why we get into this in, in this show I don't know why I asked Bella Fleck this question but who is the greatest uh, banjo player of all time was it Earl Scruggs Roy Clark Pet Seeger like who was it Earl Scruggs I mean Earl Scruggs. yeah there's there's really not there's really not a, a good argument for anybody to say that it's not Earl Scruggs I mean there are banjo players who are technically better than him, like Bella Fleck, you know, um, he is a, he is the Mozart of the banjo, but Earl Scruggs had such a unique style that anyone who picks up the banjo imitates it at some point or another. They, they sample his, his taste and, and what he did and what he popularized. So the answer will always be Earl Scruggs. <laughs> I love that. And that and that makes me think like Linda Jean, like, for example, you know, the musicality 
with you guys, Linda. Like when you were a young girl, Linda Jean, and you're trying to, you know, figure out how to be a professional musician, like what is the trick? Uh, do you sit there, Linda Jean, and say, you know, listen to Tom T. Hall or Roscoe Holcomb and, and try to do like an imitation of that at first so you can learn how to play and then find your own style? Like what's the trick? I think the trick is finding people that will nurture your love and teach you the ropes. That's, you know, specifically traditional music. That's how, that's the best way to do it is find somebody, especially if you can do it in person um, or even like, you know, nowadays you can use video lessons. That's become very um, demystified and part of uh, certain people's everyday lives. I mean, just right now we're able to, to see <laughs> exactly. each other. It's crazy. Um, but I, I say the best thing you can do is sit down with somebody that knows what they're doing and then have them show you a few things and point you in the right direction of people who to listen to. And then, you know, you learn the repertoire of other people, the, mm-hmm. the, the folks that you admire. And then you learn to play that, but then there's a, a point once you get your musicality and your chops up, after you've cut your teeth on what's already already there, then you start to put that into your own voice. And you know how your vo- your your singing voice is easily identifiable. When you hear right. Willie Nelson, when you hear Willie Nelson, you know that that's Willie Nelson, or you've been living under a rock, um, and and or Dolly Parton, you know. But you can do the same thing as an instrumentalist, which I think is even more bewildering. You know, you can, I I can hear four or five fiddlers playing the same tune and I can tell you exactly whose voice that is if I'm familiar with their playing. Um, And those, that's what makes, that's what takes it up a notch and gives the the individualism that specifically traditional music um, has. Like, I mean, I can, you can even, have a, a Kentucky fiddler, a West Virginia fiddler, a Tennessee fiddler, specifically East Tennessee, a North Carolina fiddler play the same tune. And I can tell you which state is which player. That's crazy. Wow. The, yeah. the topography and everything that surrounds it, like there's different styles of playing, but, um, and it's different. It's not just person to person, but it's your location um, yeah. that can be, that can influence it as well, which is, it, which is really amazing. Totally. I mean, I'm technically not like, you know, educated musically like you guys. And when I go to the Blue Ridge Mountains, it's like, it just sounds like the Blue Ridge Mountains. So 100%. (laughs) Totally on that. And, uh, you know, we'll get to the new album. We'll get to the new album in just a second, guys, which is great. And I promise. But you guys, um, your musical tastes are awesome. Like your influences are all over the place in a in, in the best way. It's not just con- traditional music. You know, like you, you guys famously love like Wet Lake, for example, the, the English indie rock duo. And I was thinking like Montana, do you ever see yourself changing lanes into different sounds? I feel like if in five years, the local honeys came out with something completely left field, like you guys can do anything you want. Am I right or am I wrong? We, we hope to, we have that mentality that we can do whatever we want. Uh, and that's kind of, uh, uh, good and bad, you know, pros and cons to that kind of mentality. Um, but we, you know, we've had a lot of interviews recently and, and, um, you know, a running theme that has been, you know, what's it like being a woman in the music industry? And that's a valid question. Um, and what's it like being a woman in Appalachia? And, and that's a very valid question as well, but 
it's kind of like we've never let things like that hold us back um mm-hmm. because we we don't want to um we think we have the same opportunities as everyone else whether or not whether we do or not we're going to make those opportunities for ourselves and that comes with music as well um linda and i you know we've been friends for about eight or nine years now and we've been playing music for that long together and our musical taste matches up pretty well and i think that's something that um works beautifully um, it kind of fuels our creative relationship and our creative partnership because as soon as I heard wet leg I sent it to Linda and she was like <laughs> holy god I love them and we were obsessed with them you know yeah. and and so and same thing with you know British folk rock or Radiohead or Jim Ford or all of these other culminations like we've taken little bits and pieces of those elements along the way. And because we do have a broad um, taste in music, I, th- I think that that really makes for an interesting uh, take on what we do, because I can tell you right now, we, we are traditional artists because that's how we learned how to play. And that's kind of the, the repertoire that we really studied but we don't just drive around and sit around and listen to fiddle tunes you know we're <laughs> right, listening right. to lyrics we're listening to musical scores and, and stuff like that like all kinds of different things and i think that well rounds us so yeah i mean we do plan on the limit exploring exploring music because it's so fun you know absolutely absolutely yeah. I'm, I'm from, but for my audience by the way there if you guys are interested in seeing montana with with no voice singing wet leg at the top of your lungs there is a clip around that somewhere online you're gonna have to find it <laughs> sorry go ahead linda there there's something um you know I, I like the way that montana said the um the idea of it our musical tastes have broadened our sound and um, give us the opportunity to do what we do right now. But that's not to say that we don't love to take a deep dive into something like specifically with the gospel album. That was our sophomore album. And that is an album that is just an exploration and a research project basically of um, various styles of gospel music from the American South. And we didn't even hit on all of them. That was just you know, another one, or um, we have a dream to do a children's album at some point and um, take some old, old children's songs and write some children's songs and, um, and ones that we've already written and hope to put that out. You know, Tom T. Hall had a children's album. Um, We would like, you never know, we might do a Western swing album. We love all the different facets of traditional music. And that's the thing about the umbrella of traditional music is it's not just um it, it is american music but it stems deeper from that it can be blues it can be bluegrass i'd love to do a straight ahead traditional bluegrass album mm-hmm. um i love old time music i love western swing i love celtic music yeah. there's there's so many different facets to this and it's really fun to deep dive you know how like uh, you know, Prince would have his like funk album and then he would have sure. uh, pop album, you know, and like explore all these different things. 
And I, I feel like that happens in the rock and roll facet a little bit um, clearer. But within traditional music, there is a freedom to move about um, genre-wise or explore yeah. other genres that are all, all kind of interconnected in a way. Yeah. Very well said and super excited for like the rest of your journey, guys. You guys are just getting started and we're super stoked. And, uh, you know, you're, you guys are being so good with your time. So let's move on to the new album. But well said, Linda. Okay. Let, let me ask you about uh, Throw Me in the Thicket, which is the last song of the album. I love that song. Love the way the album finishes with this one. I mean, you guys just take us into the farm. <laughs> meditation of death imagery of riding with the horse like the whole thing it's like a really like like spine tingling song what goes into like the track listing linda because i thought that this was perfectly placed uh such an important detail and i feel like with the gospel you guys also rock the ending with like we should all be reunited it's like you guys have a knack for the track listing mm -hmm. uh, how do you how, how does that work when you're putting that together we think of it as a journey in a way you know a roadmap of um of emotions and of storytelling and specifically this album is a storytelling album and it's it's all original um except for one one cover by one of our our Appalachian sheroes Gene Ritchie but that that made sense to put on there anyways because you know sometimes you hear songs that you so deeply identify with that it's it's as if that song is a part of you too and that that one feels as if it could have been written um by montana you know I, i i love that about that song there's a connectivity every now and then that you find you find with um old songs like that and they they become just a, a part of you as if you'd written it yourself but that song specifically uh throw me in the thicket it sonically it sounds like a finale so much of it is about the finale of your life. Um, mm. And I thought sonically it worked best there. And th this album was actually probably the trickiest time we've ever had trying to figure out where these songs work, because at least from my point of view, I don't think these songs necessarily go together sonically, but I think they go together within their songwriting and their aspect of storytelling. But Um, for some reason, it just felt right. And usually we just kind of go with intuition at that point. We, we try a couple of different things and then we listen to the tracks in that order. And sometimes it's something will just sound out of place. It's like, well, um, we need, I don't even necessarily know how to describe it. It is just kind of a, a go at intuition, but I'm, I'm glad that you identified with that. And I love your synopsis of that. Um, <laughs> well, I'm, that, not that, really, yeah. I'm not sure really what to say. You kind of stumped me with that. <laughs> it's well, a great song. I, I think, uh, it, it's it's just speaking on final wishes, you know. And everybody hopes to have their final wishes honored. Um, and I, I appreciate you noticing that because it was intentional. There's a lot of themes of death and and reality in this album um and we wanted to kind of tie it off with you know hopefully you get what you want out of life and you get what you want out of death um and our first album i was thinking uh, about it you know 
the last two songs on the first album are really heavily centered on death. Um, the It goes from I Love You, Charlene, which is a very heart-wrenching song, and then it goes to the final song, which is um, an acapella gospel hymn that we do called Glory Land, which basically ties it all up and, and says, you know, your grief is warranted, but your, your friends who have passed, they're, they're not, um, they're not, they're no longer suffering. It's a very, and I think that's um, one of the big reasons why we love gospel music is because it is so much for the living, um, so much comfort in, in how to perceive grief and how to perceive death and, and recognize that this is not a sad day. This is, this is a glorious day, you know, and right. that's just such a beautiful motif that runs through throughout all of gospel music. Absolutely. That's, oh my God. I could talk to you ladies for 17 hours. So <laughs> let me leave you with this. Let me leave you with this Montana. I mean, better than I deserve, you know, it was, I think the first single and it's about your papa. Uh, what a guy orphan U.S. Naval pilot war survivor. I mean, like I want to, I would have loved to meet papa, but just a beautiful song. And I guess the question is Montana, you know, when you have a phrase like this better than I deserve that he used to say, um, when do you know that it's the right time to use it as a songwriter? Because I can imagine you've had that in your back pocket. And I find that fascinating about like, you know, artists like you, you, yourselves. When do you know that it, this is the right time for you to like, just take it out and, and, and put in a song? That's a good question. Um, I had wanted to write a song about my papa for a very long time, but it was very intimidating. Uh, my papa died in 2006. So he, he's been gone for quite quite some time and it wasn't like I was intimidated like that he was gonna hate it you know what I mean like he's not here anymore you know uh he, he's not gonna have anything to say about it but I wanted it to be not such a sad like not a sad song but a celebration of him and what he overcame and it was it was really a song that I wanted to write for my brother and for my dad um who were very close to my papa and it was based on all the stories that I had heard them tell me because I was the baby. I was the girl, you know, my papa didn't want to tell me war stories, right? Because I was innocent, <laughs> right. blonde, curly headed baby. And, um, but my brother who was a, a big history buff, you know, he was constantly kind of interviewing papa constantly about his his service and um I, my papa said that phrase every day of his life um he really honestly did and it was it summed him up in such a perfect way because he had had a a life full of hardships and full of strife but and so it kind of skewed his view on the world that he wasn't good enough for any of the blessings that he received um right which really it makes for a humbling person. Um, and so I, I did have that phrase. It, it's always been circulating in the back of my mind, but once I connected that I could base that story and that song around just that phrase, that's when the song that's came. Really yeah. And it, that song didn't take very long to write. Um, maybe an hour, maybe half an hour or an hour or something like that. And I pretty much had it where I wanted it. Love it. 
Love it. I mean, ladies, you guys have said it all for today. Such a special time to chat with you guys, Linda Jean Montana. I mean, Thank you guys you. are killing it. We're so, so it's great to see you guys grow and the audiences grow. And it, it, it's great. It's great to have you guys on the show. And we look forward to catching you guys on the road. Thanks so Absolutely. much. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Take care. You've been listening to J-Rod Concerts, the podcast with Jamie Rodriguez.